0: I am back at last. I know I wasn't back last week because of the whole situation that unfolded on the field during Monday Night Football, but I am finally back this week. And of course, if you hadn't seen the update, by the way, last week I posted an update about this episode being canceled due to the DeMar Hamlin situation. Fortunately, he is doing much better. Discharged from the hospital in Cincinnati, back home to a Buffalo hospital, could be out any day now, and is recovering steadily from his injury, which is great, great news to hear. And when he made his announcement on Twitter and stuff and it showed how, I mean, he was so grateful for all the support. And he's giving back to the community in many ways as well, because, I mean, he is an incredibly Humble player, as demonstrated, an incredibly gracious and generous person. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's great news for everybody involved, of course, that we're going to I mean, that he's back and that he's back home in Buffalo and that he will be okay. And so, of course, we were all kind of on the edges of our seats for a few days. Wasn't really, I mean, I wasn't really sure if I could do a podcast last week about it, given the situation. And yeah, I didn't end up doing it, but I'm back now this week. And everything seems like it'll end up okay. Obviously, a long road to recovery for Hamlin, but great to see that he is all right. So, what you're here for. It's time. The Fantasy Year in Review, the third annual Fantasy Year in Review show. We got Bold Takes recap on this show, which we do. I mean, this is the second annual Bold Takes recap where basically I recorded 10 Bold Takes in the preseason. I recorded the audio and saved it. And I am playing back all 10 live on the show. and. Now, I remember some of these. I don't remember all of them. And so it's going to be exciting to hear. And I know I probably missed some. I know I got some hits. So it's going to be very exciting to hear how it goes. As I always say with the bold takes, they are my absolute boldest predictions of fantasy football that I always get out there every season. So I'm not expecting to get every single one right. I feel like if I get a few major hits, that is a success because of the boldness of them. I always tried to make them out there. I'm not just sticking with consensus on these takes and trying to help you guys. And so again, I remember some of these and I don't remember all of them, so I'm certainly going to be surprised. And I'm sure I won't remember a lot of my analysis that I had over the summer because I haven't actually listened to these clips since I made them. So we got Fantasy Year interview, Review, Bull Takes Recap, then Awards, the third annual awards show. I'll go through the awards that Chris and I selected over the last two years. And of course, because Chris no longer co-hosts, I've decided the awards myself for this year and I will run through those as well. So it should be a great episode. So be sure to follow on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod for the podcast. Second and Gold fantasy at gmail.com is where you can send your fantasy questions. Thank you all for being patient with me as I didn't have an episode last week. It's been a long time and I hate to say this now, but I will be going on hiatus right after this episode until the Super Bowl preview episode on the wednesday before the super bowl and that's something that always happens by the way i didn't just like make that up off the top of my head so rest assured i'm still 100 committed to the show i just that's the yearly thing that we've done every single year and so after that the plan for the podcast is to have the super bowl preview episode the wednesday before the super bowl and i'll do some fantasy fun stuff in there too i always like to do that maybe i'll make a dfs lineup that's always fun so there's that then afterwards we'll have the um recap shows and it'll be I think the first first uh, show will be I'm I'm trying to remember what it is it's either a way too early 2022 fantasy preview yeah I think actually yeah I think that's what it is so that'll be the Wednesday after the Super Bowl and after that the episodes will switch to coming out on Mondays and I'll have once a week episodes throughout the entire offseason so again from now until the Super Bowl week I will be going on hiatus but that's yearly that's scheduled and you can always if you're in like fantasy playoff leagues or DFS you can shoot me those questions over on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF so it's time and I'm a, I'm a little nervous. I don't want to hear the takes I got wrong because, I mean, I think a lot of fantasy analysts like to be like, OK, guys, I like accountability. I don't think fantasy analysts like accountability because it's not they're not going to get every single thing right. But I said I would do this and it's now a tradition to do this. And I do want to hear the ones I got right. So we are going to play back each and every bold take and play back what I said live so if you're ready I'm ready let's get into it this is episode 140 so 2022 fantasy sleepers and the first bold take back in June this is the first bold take I had of the offseason out of 10 I will play all 10 and here is the first one sit back relax and listen and let's see whether I was right or wrong sleepers let's go bold take one as I did last year I will say hi to my future self in January who is listening to this right now or not right now. I, I guess, guess you are listening to this right now because it's in January and it's being played back also on the podcast, which is what we were, of course, which was what was gonna happen and what is this. happening. So anyway, first bold take of the offseason. And this is one if you've been following the podcast throughout the off season, you would know it's coming. Traylon Burks will be a top 24 wide receiver this year in fantasy football and i know i sounded like a genius to those of you hearing this now in january but treylon burks he's gonna be a top 24 wide receiver this year in fantasy football half ppr currently he's the wide receiver 41 in fantasy pros half ppr so if you're listening to this at the end of the year and didn't think this one was bold it absolutely was. He, it he's absolutely sitting outside was. The top 40 is Traylon Burks. Somehow, with that first round draft capital spent on him by the Tennessee Titans, a tall, big-bodied receiver who has such the an ability to get yards after the catch. Somehow he's sitting outside of the top 40, despite absolutely no target competition in Tennessee, other than maybe Robert Woods. But guess what? Robert Woods is not solving and not fixing this absolute dearth of targets that is now available in tennessee he is not taking that all on his own no is taking that the first round talent that went to tennessee the guy they touted the guy they traded away aj brown to go get the guy they tried to get because he plays so similarly to aj brown because he could be the next aj brown and because all right yeah that's enough okay so yep obviously that was wrong traylon burks the wide receiver 83 he played 10 games this season though to be fair and also when he was out there He struggled with a lot of injuries, but those last couple games, we did see some flashes from Traylon Burks, and so obviously this take was wrong, I'll take the L here, but I do think nonetheless, next year, there is a lot of potential for Traylon Burks to be a value in redraft for really the same reasons I listed. And we saw him getting a bigger connection with Ryan Tannehill. I think, I mean, Derrick Henry's not going to be around forever. Eventually this offense is going to have to become more pass heavy and la- less prehistoric. So I didn't, I don't mind this take still, despite it being wrong, which of course I should mind it. And I also forgot the I forgot. I called myself a genius after saying it, that was going to be a really like boomer bust strategy because it, it was either going to work out perfectly and I was going to look like insane or I was going to look like a real idiot. And I definitely looked like an idiot there. So that's the first one. I definitely remember the Traylon Burks take. Let's go to episode 141, the 2022 fantasy bus episode. I'm going to have to like click the thing to start it. So you'll hear like the start of the intro and then I'll skip to the timestamp that I need, which I unfortunately have to do for each of these. But let me do that right now. So, okay, There's the intro. Let's skip to the timestamp that was the first one not starting off great obviously injuries were a factor but i mean you know the take still counts despite the injuries okay let's get this one started oh i do and i'll find out live on the podcast so this bold take was one that i struggled to decide on oh, and boy. i had a lot of ways i wanted to go but without fully fleshed out rankings i wasn't 100 sure and so i was going through it and i was like which bold take do i want to go for now and this one i think this is a very surprising ranking for me and one that i've kind of been slowly waking up to to where this ranking is really low and this is a guy i want to make a bull take on and it's tyreek hill ranked as the wide receiver nine on fantasy pros which in half ppr which is very low so i'm going Ooh. to go out and say yes. that once my rankings get started tyreek hill will be ranked in the top five and he Boom. will finish as a top five receiver next year in half point ppr leaks now I understand why Tyreek Hill's being faded. And I think the reasons are obvious. You see this downgrade from Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tagovailoa. And of course it's a downgrade. I'm drafting Patrick Mahomes ahead of Tua Tagovailoa always in fantasy drafts if I have the option between the two. Like, I mean, there's no question. However, this doesn't necessarily mean Hill's value is going to go down because what we saw in Kansas City is that Tyreek Hill, he would have some, a few games where he was just a PPR monster. But for a lot of the time, he was kind of blanketed and ran a lot of deep routes. And sometimes, if you don't connect on that one big deep ball, it's not necessarily always going to work out for his fantasy value. And he would have a few games where he busted. So, of course, he still put up incredible numbers and had big, explosive games. And maybe we're going to see those like 40, 50 point games go down a little bit. But what we are going to see go up, in my opinion, is the PPR and half PPR consistency that comes with a lot of receptions. We saw Tua we about last year willing to throw to Jalen Waddle in space a lot over and over and over. And I think Tyreek Hill is, I mean, a better, faster, better deep threat version of Jalen Waddle. So Tyreek Hill coming in, he's going to take this number one role. I think Tua is going to feed him underneath. And who better to orchestrate that than a new head coach, a very creative head coach in Mike McDaniel. Tyreek Hill will be in space. He might take jet sweeps. He might catch like at 10 or 12 targets a game and maybe lead the league in targets. And Tyreek doesn't always get 10 or 12 targets a game. Sometimes he gets four targets and catches two of them and maybe one deep ball for 40 yards. And that's about it for him. Like he can be taken away in the deep bit game, but if this offense is consistently working to get Tyreek Hill in space and get him to get receptions in space and get the ball in his hands, much like a Debo Samuel role almost, rather than just using him as a deep threat and in some games a decoy, let's be honest, because that's what he was some games. I think Tyreek Hill can come in now and have much more consistent production and possibly just as good, if not better production than he had in Kansas City. So I don't- Boom, perfect. Absolutely perfect. (laughs) We'd love to see it. Tyreek Hill was the wide receiver two in fantasy football this year. Targets went up by 11. Receptions went up by eight. His yards per reception actually went up a lot. But again, that's a lot of him making plays in space. He was absolutely involved deep. I think the one thing I may have been wrong about was saying that Tyreek Hill would be involved less in the deep game because he was involved there just as much and his yardage totals shot up. But he also was the third most targeted player in the league between week one and week 17 behind Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams. So this take was basically absolutely spot on. And I mean, thinking back to the preseason, I think you're probably listening to this stunned that Tyreek Hill... Hill was ranked as the wide receiver nine. And I, I mean, I've definitely felt that way back in preseason two, as you could tell, I feel like it was, it was really just a steal of the draft to be able to have Tyree Kill not maybe not the steal of the draft, but one of the steals of the draft to have Tyree Kill available in the third round sometimes as what wide receiver nine prices. Like, why was he going there? I don't understand. Like, it's it's just not looking deeper and not looking between the lines when you decide just because the guy goes from Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tagovailoa means he's going to be worse. Like Again, like I said there, I felt like Tyreek Hill would be better and more consistent of an option, and he ended up being that. He was only under six targets once all season. Once. Once all season. I mean, that happened more than once. I'm sure that happened more than once per season in Kansas City because it was more inconsistent. And again, the target numbers and the reception numbers prove it. They went even higher than they were last year in Kansas City. And of course, last year was also a 17-game season because I I know people like to do that, like, 17-game season, adding extra stats. Like, last year was two. So, of course, you know, that counts just as much. So, We're one for one so far. Happy to get that one in there. I do remember the hill take. I thought there was a different take that came first. And I think you're going to hear that one right now. This is the QB Fantasy Preview and the SFB 12 Tips episode. And that was fun back in July 6th. This take, I'm going to have to scroll to on the timestamps as well. But so far, one for one, this one absolutely hit. Tyree Kill was the wide receiver two in fantasy football. Great to see his production this year. And again, I'm doing this week one through 17 and half PPR, by the way, just in case you're wondering. But yeah, only behind Justin Jefferson in fantasy. So that's a hit. I hope that helped you. Let's go into this next one. Got to skip through the intro here. And now go to 616, about, in the timestamp. All right, right here. Let's go. takes about them? So let's talk about somebody this time who's way, way down the board. And it's Christian Watson at wide receiver 70. He is basically being undrafted and redrafted in half PPR right now. Wide receiver 70. So you can get him for free. Absolutely. And I don't understand it. Early second round pick. I don't understand how with all the yard after catch ability that he has, the speed, just the athleticism, a freak of nature ability that he has. And he's paired with Aaron Rodgers, one of the best QBs to ever play the game, coming off with back-to-back MVP seasons with his number one receiver, Devontae Adams, exiting the team to LA. And Christian Watson's the only guy they brought in to replace him in the early second round as a rookie. And you're telling me that this guy is at the wide receiver 70 with that upside. It is insanity to see Christian Watson this low. And I am will acknowledge that he has a lot of risk. He's a rookie. But a guy with top 12 upside, top 10 upside, top 8 upside, whatever number you want to throw out there, Christian Watson has it. Because we know his ability to do things on the football field. If he's not able to translate from Division two, so what? Because you're not wasting any draft capital on this guy. but the opportunity with the best quarterback in the league and the skills he has to elevate himself to wide receiver one status in his rookie year is really there but you don't even have to predict wide receiver one status to get a bold take. You don't even have to rely on wide receiver one status or wide receiver two status or wide receiver three or wide receiver four or wide receiver five or wide receiver six status to have something to still be able to get value on Christian Watson. Because right now he's going as the back end wide receiver six. If he returns value, there perfect. If he doesn't, that's basically nothing. You can drop him anyway. He'll be drafted in the last round in fantasy football drafts. But, I will guarantee that Christian Watson is going to be a top 36 fantasy receiver next year. And I know it's risky, so maybe I won't actually guarantee it. But that is the bold take. Christian Watson will be a top 36 fantasy receiver next year. And is up. Ah, okay. so I'm sure you guys are wondering because Christian Watson had a breakout at the end of the year. That's for sure. So you're probably wondering where he was and right. I was actually following this take, too, because heading into week 17, Christian Watson right on the cusp. He could have done it. He could have been a top 36 receiver. He was breaking out at just the right time. And then he had one reception for 11 yards against Minnesota and finished as the wide receiver 38. Yep, the wide receiver 38. Can you believe it? Christian Watson was two spots off my quote unquote guarantee. He missed three games, by the way, averaged 10 fantasy points per game and half PPR. So if you pursued this pick, it absolutely helped you and this still held true. Obviously, Christian Watson didn't end up being a wide receiver one, but it didn't end up mattering that he wasn't. He had just enough availability there. And of course, Romeo Dubs was there at times too, but Rodgers needed somebody to throw to. And Watson, I feel like definitely could have had his breakout even sooner than he did. Because in that first game, you remember that 75 yard touchdown he dropped? That was one of those like raw moments where you're like, maybe Christian Watson won't be good till year two. He ended up being good by the end of the year. He developed pretty quickly. Now he again missed three games, which is a lot for a wide receiver. averaged 10 fantasy points per game. That is 1.8 more than per game than Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was the wide receiver 36. So he was right there for you. When he was out there, especially late in the season, he gave you wide receiver one production for a stretch. He got a lot of touchdowns, that's for sure. But he absolutely would have helped your fantasy team. And so I am somewhat at least happy with that one. Not happy that it didn't end up hitting, but, you know, it was very, very close. And you know what? We'll We'll take it wide receiver 38, Christian Watson. So again, the wide receiver 70. Can you believe that? Can you believe he was going that late? That's insane. I drafted him almost everywhere. I did make the mistake of dropping him some places, which is a mistake I do every year where it's like, here, let me give up on my speculative long-term pick early in the season before he has a chance to break out. Like I do do that a lot, but there were, I mean, this is a league or two where I still had him for sure. And, um, that's something you just got to, Remember for next year. Like, that's always something I'm kicking myself for at the end of the year. Like, don't drop that one guy who could still break out later in the year. And obviously, it's a lot of luck. But, like, I mean, and again, maybe you dropped Christian Watson. Maybe you had to pick him up off the waiver wire because he was, you needed the fantasy spot. And that's the problem with some of these long term ads. But that's also something you got to remind yourself as a fantasy owner. And I make that mistake too. Like I said, but just the fact that you're not necessarily expecting Christian Watson to break out first game, but there's still that chance late in the season for him to do what he did. And whenever, if you have a wide receiver like that, that's like late rounds, rookie potentially with a lot of target opportunity, keep that in mind for next year, because he could have a Christian Watson type of breakout. And if he doesn't still, it's only one roster spot. There are other ways to get around that. Obviously, you know, it's a tough decision to keep guys on your roster or not, but you know, that's what, if you have a deep bench, if you have some IR, that helps a lot too. So unfortunate that that one didn't hit. Now let's head to episode 145. I did three bold takes on this one because I think one bold, one episode I planned not to do a bold take and then one episode I forgot. And I don't know if I actually admitted that I forgot on the podcast because that's kind of embarrassing. But I had three on here. I think I remember kind of like two of them. They all go like back to back to back. So I'll just skip ahead to the first one. We'll listen to that. Just react to it. I don't remember which one the first one is specifically, though. And we'll find out. And my memory gets more hazy as these go on. So I probably will be surprised by a lot of these ones. So let's hear. Let's find out what it was. Let me get up the intro. Let me skip up to 648. Big wide receiver news. Bold take bonanza. Tight end preview. DST kicker talk. Salary cap mock drive. What an episode. That was, That's incredible. I don't know how I did that all in 35 minutes. but. I mean, I hope you guys enjoyed that one because that's a lot of stuff. So 648, can we stop at the right space on the timestamp? There we go. Let's get it started. All right, here we go. It's time for three bold takes. Three of them on this week's episode. The first bold take, Kenny Galladay. Of course, I got to come back with a Kenny Galladay take. He'll be a top 36 fantasy receiver next year. Last year, part of my bold take was that Kenny Galladay would be a top twelve receiver, and I was wrong miserably. But it's okay. Kenny Galladay is going at a spot now in drafts, so 54, That's a spot where you should be taking a shot on him because he is the highest-paid receiver, easily in the Giants' offense, likely to be the wide receiver one in the Giants' offense. Wow! Now that Brian Dable's here. And it's going to be huge. And I don't normally take down. huge That's stock in right coaching changes, but the fact that Jason Garrett and Joe Judge, two truly incompetents who are running this offense, I mean, they were the reason, part of the reason, in my eyes, that Kenny Gallagher was so limited because they wouldn't push the ball downfield. They didn't give Daniel Jones the opportunity to throw it down. Daniel Jones's yards per attempt plummeted last year because the offense was just so conservative. Daniel Jones, he, and the weird part was, in 2020, he was able to air the ball out a little bit more I and got it. to. And he didn't even play that badly so he made some great throws he's cut down on some mistakes for sure but i think that brian dable will be able to develop daniel jones and can dang it why didn't i do a take on daniel jones because kenny Galladay was the wide receiver 169 and he made like a crazy touchdown catch in week 18 last week actually i don't know if you saw that over the weekend but kenny Galladay made an incredible catch in the end zone but the daniel jones take of this wasn't bad daniel jones took a step up with brian dable and was the quarterback seven but the Kenny Galladay take and the doubling down on it two years in a row is just so horrific. And I'm sorry for that, guys. And again, he was the wide receiver 54, so you probably didn't waste too much on him. And that's why I think I was more confident in going with it. But still, I mean, that's a horrible, horrible miss. Like, I, I that's definitely the first one we've heard so far where there's just absolutely no excuse. And so, you know, the Ken- I told you guys midseason, I said the Kenny Galladay train... I'm off of it officially. I'm done. And Daniel, the, the fact that Daniel Jones could play well and Kenny Galladay could still be no, so non-existent, it just really shows that Kenny Galladay got the bag and decided, you know, he's done. He's not going to play to the superstar level that he played at any anymore. How can he be like the wide receiver 169? What a waste. I'm sorry, guys. You know what? I drafted him everywhere too. I went down with you. So let's hear this next bold take. Next bold take. Trey Lance, he's going to finish ahead of Dak Prescott in fantasy football next year. Dak Prescott, the quarterback. Game. Trey Lance is the quarterback 13 on fantasy pros. And Trey Lance is going to finish ahead of Dak Prescott. And we all know the hype for Trey Lance. He's got Debo Samuel, got George Kittle, got Brandon Ayuk, and got a great offensive line. He is set up to succeed. And the 49ers are listening to talks about Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to be traded before the start of the season. They're ready to let Trey Lance step in. They believe he's ready and he's going to perform. And he's in a great spot for sure, because we even saw Jimmy Garoppolo put up some nice passing production in that spot, and Jimmy Garoppolo is not that good of a QB. But let's talk about the rushing ability of Trey Lance, a guy who ran for a ton of yards at North Dakota State. That's what sets him apart just because rushing quarterbacks break fantasy football and the massive more amount of points that they score. Trey Lance has so much upside just because of that. He doesn't even have to be a great QB to be insane this year for fantasy. Just look at Jalen Hurts. But Dak Prescott, the problem here I think people want to overlook the fact that Amari Cooper is gone and Michael Gallup is injured because with Dak Prescott, his splits were very interesting. He didn't seem to be able to perform in big moments a lot of the time, and he also was a lot better when he had all three of his top receivers, that being CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper on the field at the same time. He was a lot worse without one or two of those guys when they had injuries last year. All right. Yeah, that was wrong, too. Zach Prescott, in case you're wondering, was basically like he finished low because of injuries. He was the quarterback 20 around a borderline top 10 quarterback in terms of fantasy points per game. So he would have performed pretty well for you. And, of course, had the injuries, but did throw a lot of picks. So he was, you could say, somewhat inconsistent, but this Cowboys offense still did end up scoring points. So credit to Dak. Of course, the problem here was that Trey Lance got injured, and we didn't really get to see it from him. And I'll take that L, of course. But, I mean, Trey Lance finished, like, nowhere because we, again, not didn't get to see the chance, to, to, to whether he would run enough to pull up significant fantasy points. He was the QB 59. So, At the end of the day, I think Trey Lance, the logic still applies here. I think it was a bit of an inconsistent start for him last season. But if he ends up starting for the 49ers next year, I think there is still a lot of hope for a fantasy breakout. And his price could be dampened enough by that. A little bit of a slow start over the first couple of games, very small sample size to where he could still be a value next year. So I still believe in Trey Lance for fantasy football. Of course, that take was wrong. And I chose to compare him to Dak, who just ended up being regular old Dak. Like wasn't, it wasn't a value by any means, but you know, when he was healthy, he was around where you drafted him at like quarterback eight about. So let's do the last poll take. Thomas here is the subject of my last bowl take. He's going to be a top fifteen tight end for fantasy football this year. Currently Wait, ranked as the oh, tight I, end I twenty one. Sorry, I got to skip back. I think it might have been Logan Thomas. This Feeding might option. be wrong again. No longer there. It's difficult to trust Dak Prescott next year, and I love the upside of Trey Lance. Logan Thomas here is the subject of my last bowl take. He's going to be a top fifteen oh, tight end I for fantasy this football one. this year. Currently ranked as tight end twenty one, and I like him a lot in this offense. I think the Washington Commanders. They have a lot of competition for targets with Carson Wentz, who might not be the best passer in the world. Got Terry McLaurin, got Jahan Dotson, got Curtis Samuel. But the thing about it is we know Terry is going to get his, of course. But Jahan Dotson, he's a great late-round flyer. I love him as a late-round flyer, but he's still a rookie. There's still some risk involved there. Curtis Samuel was hurt all of last season after his groin injury. We don't know if he still has it because he barely has even like done anything at all. And so there's an opportunity for Logan Thomas, who has been the security blanket for this offense for the last couple of years, to continue to step in. And he was putting up elite production at times with Alex Smith and Taylor Heineke as QB. Now, obviously, Carson Wentz is a different quarterback. He has a better, better Better arm. Maybe we'll look downfield more, but Carson Wentz has also not hesitated to target the tight end in the past. I think Logan Thomas, if anything, is a talented player and could be used more in the vertical game because Carson Wentz, we saw him target Zach Ertz for several years in Philly. Then Moali Cox had stretches of relevance sometimes in Indianapolis. Sometimes you just randomly see him explode. It was weird, but it's not like Carson Wentz is tight end averse. I think Logan Thomas has a real opportunity to be the second or third option in this offense. Okay. Yeah, that was wrong. And I think we could pinpoint why that was wrong. Logan Thomas was the tight end 35. And what happened last year, of course, is, I mean, obviously Dotson was a first round pick. I wasn't saying he was a late round flyer in the NFL draft, but in your fantasy drafts, obviously he was, but Dotson was kind of a rookie. I wasn't as on as much because of the target competition who ended up really breaking out at the end of last year. And Curtis Samuel came back from his injury and was one of the big surprises of the year, actually putting up decent fantasy production. He was like the wide receiver 27. So with all that, and then the quarterback play just turned out to be just as bad as we could have feared logan thomas had no chance to be good and he wasn't didn't really play that well either so all of that just combined to make him an absolute bust so i he was a tight end 21 didn't cost you too much i said he'd be a top 15 tight end but obviously nowhere close on that one so let's skip by the uh fantasy football draft guide because i didn't have a bull take on that episode um this is going to be the Bold take seven. This was the NFC North preview with Pierre Wilson. That was a good episode. So I will get into this one. We have the bold take. I forget which one this was. We got four more left. Then we're going to get into fantasy awards on a bit of a cold stretch after the somewhat hot start. Let's hope we can get bounced back here. I'm going to try to get this set up right now. So let's skip out to 136. Be sure you're sending your good vibes for a good bold take right here um let's get it up here okay i'm going to have to start it a few seconds behind so we'll hear me myself talking about something maybe introducing pierre wilson to the show or something like that just trying to get it sent at a good timestamp please okay here we go Time bold take seven. We've had six of those. Go back to those previous episodes to hear some more bold takes. And we're getting right back to it after that fantasy football draft guide show last week. My bold take is that Robert Tunyon, the current fantasy football tight end 19 on fantasy pros, will finish higher than the current tight end 10, Dawson Knox in fantasy football half PPR 2022. Oh, no and this one is simple for me, and I think just Robert Tunyon is going to have so much more opportunity than Dawson Knox, and the fact is, we know they're both playing with elite quarterbacks, Josh Allen for the Bills, and uh, Aaron Rodgers for the Packers, but the thing about it is, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, now without Devontae Adams, he doesn't have anywhere to throw it, Alan Lazard is now his wide receiver one, (laughs) so Robert Tunyon is, really seems like, The consensus, at least second or third target here in this offense, in an offense where there really isn't a true number one, his target share should be the highest of his career this year. And we've seen him have production in the past. Two years ago, it was really because of that 10 touchdown season. I don't expect a ton of touchdowns again, but I expect him to be at least somewhat of a red zone weapon and those targets to fly up enough. Okay. Yeah. So basically this one actually wasn't it it, it, like Robert Tanyan was ranked at the tight end 19. And I kind of mocked the ranking of Dawson Knox at tight end 10. Robert Tunyon finished as the tight end 19 and Dawson Knox finished as the tight end 13. So, I guess the Knox bust pick, maybe we can hear what I said about Knox because Knox did bust a little bit. So, it wasn't completely wrong, but again, like didn't actually end up happening. So, let's hear this. That we don't get too many of those inconsistent weeks like we've had with him in the past. The problem is with Dawson Knox that he's been all about inconsistent weeks and the Bills are just as crowded as ever in that receiving room. They do have a dominant wide receiver one. They have a QB that likes to run it, too. That takes away from the targets. But Stephon Diggs, as their wide receiver one, will dominate. And then Gabriel Davis is the wide receiver two there. And I don't think there's any doubt about it. After his playoff performance last year, mm-hmm. I think maybe he'll be inconsistent at times. But again, they have another good receiver underneath. And Jamison Crowder, who they just signed, who we know takes up a lot of targets. He always finds ways to get open. And he's forgotten. Okay, I don't know if it just glitched out on your end there, but it definitely glitched out on mine. But uh, also Dawson Knox missed two games, by the way. So actually, this the rankings were pretty much spot on <laughs> on Robert Tunyon and Dawson Knox. That's kind of funny. But, you know, it is what it is. And it ended up being what it ended up being. And so that was another one that was wrong. Let's get to bold take eight. Let's find one that worked out again here in the back half of these bold takes. I need one desperately on a bit of a big, big, cold stretch here. We're still, we again, riding high early, not looking so good now. Let's get into this. Set it up at two minutes. So, and again, that last one, it started like staticking on my end. And I don't know if it did that on yours or not, but I decided to give it a halt because of that. Okay, here we go. Let's get into it. First, bold take eight. Three more left this offseason. I decided to go with one that's spicy, one that involves guys near the top, and one that involves a guy I haven't even like talked about that much. But I am rising on him big time. And it's Cortland Sutton of the Denver Broncos. At the wide receiver 18 on Fantasy Pros, he's going to be a top 12 fantasy receiver. Oh, I forgot. I'll start with this by saying that I think Cortland Sutton is the clear wide receiver one in Denver. I think he's better than Jerry Judy. I think he's a better downfield threat, a good possession receiver. Judy's a good route runner for sure. But he hasn't really taken off the NFL first two years. We've seen Sutton have that elite season. so. I think Sutton's the guy here, and I think he's going to be fit for Russell Wilson, who is a huge upgrade here in Denver. Sutton's <laughs> been a terrible QBs his whole life, and this just feels like so, that receiver every year, that veteran receiver that we kind of just miss. Either he's gone to a new team or has some sort of upgrade, he did miss him. and he feels like a guy we're just not talking about enough, because he has really all the opportunity in the world. I don't see why he can't finish ahead of the wide receiver 12, T. Higgins, who's the wide receiver 2 on his own team. Court- Answer Nathaniel Hackett. That was why. Cortland Sutton missed two games. Wide receiver 45. Big L. Big L. He was a bust for you. So, yeah, and of course, nobody expected this offense to be as bad as it was with Nathaniel Hackett. And I feel like if Cortland Sutton had truly gotten an elite QB, this breakout would have happened. However, he just only had like one touchdown all season. Just brutally, brutally bad. I mean, he, he was okay, actually, I guess, when he was out there. Did get a good amount of targets, at least. But Russ did not cook. That's for sure. So let's get into this one. This is the AFC North preview, bold take nine. Let's pull it up. Need a bold take that's successful. I know, I think there's at least one more that is. So let's get, let's find it. And let's see here. Point okay, here he is. is here. Now, let's get into a bold take. Bold take nine. Second to last one of the offseason, guys. Recorded bold take for the end of the year. And it's related to one I've done earlier. Daniel Jones will be a top 15 fantasy quarterback. Yes! History. That's my bold take. He's currently quarterback 23 on fantasy pros. And it's related to the Kenny Galladay. I bold I made take a Daniel I Jones NBA bold take. top 36 take. receiver. Because I think Kenny Galladay is going to be good. And I think Daniel Jones will be supported by that. Although, way around. I guess my faith in Galladay is waning a little bit after this. Just, I don't know. He's okay, looked. good to you. I, I don't to like you. to stuff off of training camp but he's looked bad in training camp like real bad so i hope he's gonna turn it on for the season we're gonna see i'm not as high on him as i was last year that's for sure but you know still some faith there still think he's a value but anyway Daniel Jones with or without Kenny Galladay I still think is going to be very productive. The reason being upgrades all over okay, the place. An go. upgraded offensive line. They just added Evan Neal. Upgraded running game with Saquon Barkley now not having an injury riddled season. Obviously That's he was good. hurt for a little bit last year. I think he's going to be better heading into this year. They added Wandale Robinson who looks really good so far and yeah. it looks like a guy who could be very useful. And Darius Toney as well. Lots of guys for Treated. Daniel Jones to throw to that aren't just Kenny Galladay. And I think he has some good arm talent and some rushing upside which is going to provide him with a nice floor from week week. week to week. That's why I like him as a top 15 fantasy quarterback this year. And I think he's a good value because you're not usually, he's not usually a guy that's getting drafted in drafts. Yeah. All right. AFC North preview. We don't need to hear the AFC North preview, of course, because that happened last year, but Daniel Jones. Yeah. Quarterback seven. And guess what? All his wide receivers got hurt. He was throwing to Isaiah Hodgins as his top guy and still finished clearly as the QB seven. So, or actually I think I just called him the wide receiver seven, but he was the QB seven. So this was an absolute hit. I think the late round quarterback strategy didn't was very difficult to execute this year in fantasy but if you followed this pick, Daniel Jones was one of the best QB options you could have possibly had late in drafts. He ended up taking a major upgrade for the Giants and was still able to be somewhat good. I mean, he was good in fantasy football. And so I'm very happy about that take. And I think uh I remember which one the last one was, but I don't know for sure, so let's go find it. It was episode 154, the last bold take, 207. And let's hear about it right here. Skipping ahead to the timestamp. Oh, wait, maybe I don't remember which one this one was. Let's see. Actually, I think I'm remembering now. Okay, let's find out which one this one was. Let's get into it. Bold take 10 and AFC West preview. It's time. So it's the last bold take of the offseason. Finally, at last, and <laughs> it's another spicy went through one. Like another one involving receivers. I've liked a lot of those no this time. off season, but my bold take is Chris Olave will finish higher than Brandon Ayuk for fantasy football in twenty twenty two and half point PPR. Oh, leagues. This was it. Olave being the wide receiver forty five, Ayuk being the wide receiver thirty five. Now, obviously. This is, uh, it, it's not, this this take is interesting because I just picked out Brandon Ayuk from this range because I wanted someone who was like 10 plus spots ahead of Chris Olave who I like. I don't mind Brandon Ayuk, but I see their situations, like Chris Olave's situation is better and his upside is higher because when we really dive into it, let's look at the teams. It's the 49ers versus the Saints. With the 49ers, you've got a quarterback in Trey Lance who we know likes to run the ball and is also unproven may not throw the ball a ton in this offense. Then you've got a superstar wide receiver one in Debo Samuel and a great tight end in George Kittle, who's going to dominate a lot of targets and a run-heavy offense historically, along with the likely rushing attempts we'll see with Trey Lance. So Ayuk is pro- at best the wide receiver three here in a run-heavy offense with Trey Lance. Nah. Compare that with Chris Olave, who just got taken high in the first round by the New Orleans Saints. Is in an offense with the quarterback in Jameis Winston, who has been known to air the ball out. Sure, they're they've got Alvin Kamara at running oh, back. Yeah, they're going to run the ball, but they're not like necessarily going to be running heavy. But even so, like the competition for Olave is Michael Thomas, who was a former dominant wide receiver, one who is having has struggled with injuries for so long that we don't know if it's going to be that way. And clearly, the Saints thought they needed an upgrade at wide receiver, and then Alvin Kamara at running back, and that's about it. So Olave really has the opportunity to be the number one wide receiver in New Orleans, or at worst, the number two. Vers- whereas Ayuk is the number three in his offense, and yet Ayuk is going much higher. Obviously, San Francisco might be the better team, but for fantasy, Olave is in a better situation than Brandon Ayuk. And so it's just a bet on whether you think the rookie can do it. And I think the draft capital means that we have a good enough bet to maybe take that chance. And I like taking a chance on Chris Olave as a potential breakout player because he's got a lot of... Okay, so this was half right, but let's still go in... <laughs> Yeah, these, these 2 partners are going to kill me. I'm not going to do 2 partners anymore next year because it ruined a perfectly good take. Now, IU, obviously, Debo Samuel missed four games. That definitely helped him a lot. He averaged 0.6 more than Olave per game, was the wide receiver 15, but Olave missed two games and was the wide receiver 25. So he did outperform his draft position and absolutely would have helped you for fantasy. Now, the Winston... stuff. I was, like, blanking on what happened to Jameis Winston because I was like, wait a minute. Why did I mention Jameis Winston? And I was like, oh, yeah, Saints QB because he got... he had the injury, actually got healthy again, and then got benched for Dalton nonetheless. So uh, I had forgotten about that whole thing because back in November, he was like, I got benched due to injury guys. I got benched due to injury and maybe he did. I don't know. But I mean, you know, Chris Olave still ended up being pretty good. So there were some hits in there for sure. That wraps it up. And again, like I said at the beginning, these were very, very bold takes that I was hoping to at least get a few right. And I did, I think I would have liked to do a little better than I did, but I'm still happy with getting a number of hits Lesson learned, no two-parters next year. And I think I'm noticing definitely some trends in the ones I missed to where I will be able to rectify that next year and do even better for you guys for fantasy. So those were the bold takes. That was it. I hope you liked laughing at me or applauding me or whatever you did. I'm not sure. But let's head into awards. So, excuse me. There was like some – I couldn't talk for a sec. Now, awards. Third annual fantasy football awards – show on the second goal fantasy podcast so we did this we did some different awards from 2020 2021 and 2022 and let's start reading from 2020 so like i'll read the past year's awards guys before we get into the new ones so in 2020 the most improved player was aaron Rodgers. this is all for fantasy by the way honorable or excuse me the biggest breakout was stefan diggs the biggest bust was michael thomas the best rookie was james robinson and justin jefferson the waiver wire winner was james robinson the fantasy mvp was dalvin cook Wow, that's interesting, actually. In 2021, most improved was Leonard Fournette. Biggest breakout was Cooper Cup. Biggest bust, Saquon Barkley and Allen Robinson. Best rookie, Jamar Chase. Waiver wire winner, Cordero Patterson. And fantasy MVP, Jonathan Taylor. So now we're into 2022. And uh, let's see if I can get the applause button that I have up. I'll ha- applaud for all of these guys. Maybe do like a boo or something for the bust or whatever. So I don't know if I have a boo in my thing right now but um, maybe I can pull one up while we wait. So the most improved player, this is always, this goes to one who um, like, I I guess this goes to one who was really maybe not very good for like the last year or the last couple of years. This is, goes to a player who really stepped it up was, I mean, it's not like a breakout, but it's maybe somebody who was struggling for a little while and then came for whatever reason and then came back into it. And got a lot better and so the co-biggest bust winner from last year was the most improved winner from this year how about that how about how the tables can turn it is saquon barkley so barkley again yeah bounced back from last year he was the yeah biggest bust winner along with Allen robinson He's back, honorable mentions, Tony Pollard, Jamal Williams, Geno Smith. Barkley was the RB5, Tony Pollard was the RB7, Jamal Williams was the RB12, Geno Smith was the QB6, and all these guys have been in the league a while but saw lots of improvements. So good to see there. Now it's time for our biggest breakout. So the biggest breakout goes to somebody who either was playing kind of like solid for most of their career but really didn't get to the next level for a while or is like a young guy who really had a big breakout but isn't a rookie. And so definitely, I think there was a pretty clear answer for me here. It ended up being a guy who has been in there for a few years with the Raiders. Josh Jacobs, your RB3, was the biggest breakout on the year. (laughs) Honorable mentions, C.D. Lamb, Devontae Smith, and Justin Fields. C.D. Lamb, the wide receiver, 6. Devontae Smith, the wide receiver, 10. And Justin Fields, the QB, 5. Now, it's time for the biggest bust, the award you don't want to have. Who is going to join Michael Thomas, Saquon Barkley, and Allen Robinson in the second-and-goal Fantasy Hall of Fame? I think it's obvious, guys. I'll give you a sec to think about it. There were some busts. There's a lot of honorable mentions, but there was really no bigger bust than Kyle Pitts. No bigger bust than that guy, Kyle Pitts. Tight end 31. Not sure what to say about his season. Pretty brutal. Honorable mentions, Darren Waller, the tight end 30, Deontay Johnson, the wide receiver 37, Cortland Sutton, the wide receiver 46, Jonathan Taylor, the RB 33, Debo Samuel, the wide receiver 31, and Clyde edwards Hilaire, the RB 45. Now, best rookie. These best rookie guys all have a lot of potential, of course, could go on to win other awards in their long future. And that's what, of course, they're going for is playing in the NFL is trying to get as many second goal fantasy podcast awards as possible for fantasy football. And that's the sole reason you enter the NFL. So best rookie. Goes to, yeah, the guy who broke out the best during his rookie season. Was not as strong of a a rookie years as others have been in the past, but we still had one. The best rookie this season was Kenneth Walker, the RB19. (laughs) Honorable mentions, Damian Pierce, the RB25, Tyler Algier, the RB30. Brees Hall, the RB 41, I know he got injured for the year, but I wanted to throw him in there because I feel like he would have won it had he stayed healthy for the whole season, which was unfortunate that he didn't because Brees Hall was having such a good season. And um, I really liked him a lot in preseason. Can't say that now, though, because I didn't have a bold take for him. So clearly I didn't like him enough. But, you know, what is it? Whatever. Brees Hall still had a great season and ended up tearing. his, er, Yeah, I guess tearing his ACL ending the season um other honorable mentions chris olave wide receiver 25 garrett wilson the wide receiver 22 and yeah those guys were pretty much the best out of wide receivers but kenneth walker won the award let's go to waiver wire winner a guy you could have picked up off the waiver wire who really helped you a lot for fantasy football there were some guys here in the mix but the winner is jarek mckinnon the rb 21 I think it's rare you see two players at the same position from the same team. But Isaiah Pacheco was an honorable mention at RB37, along with Tyler Algier at RB30 and Zay Jones at wide receiver 24. He was good. And then Christian Watson, the wide receiver 38. He was definitely a waiver wire winner at points for you. So now the last one, the fantasy MVP. This guy carried fantasy teams, brought them to the championship. I don't have a drum roll up but he was fantastic your fantasy mvp for 2022 is austin (laughs) eckler congrats austin eckler for winning the prestigious award honorable mentions justin jefferson if we're in a full ppr league i would Definitely more considered Justin Jefferson, potentially giving it to him, Christian McCaffrey and Josh Jacobs. Great seasons all around, guys. Great stuff and a great season of fantasy football once again. So this podcast, once again, if you guys have listened for a while, started in 2020. We are approaching the three-year anniversary. We have had three full seasons of covering fantasy football throughout the season. And I'm really excited to put another one in the books and go on next year. So thank you all for listening, tuning in throughout the season. Got a lot in store. Going to probably try to get some more guests on the show during the offseason. One show a week, but I'll be on hiatus until the Super Bowl preview episode, the Wednesday before the Super Bowl. So thank you all for tuning in, subscribing, all of that. It really means a lot. And I will see you all next time.